anybody who read this text from Matthew this week um, told me that they had lots of problems with this text. It seems very hard-hearted in several places. Um, I've identified three places where I think it's hard-hearted. Um, maybe you can find more. It's a wedding. It's a wedding. You know, we've been to weddings. Apparently how weddings were done in, in the first century was that when it was time for the bride and groom to marry, the groom would leave his parents' house and go to the house of the, of the bride. And there would be a party at the bride's house, and there might be some haggling over dowry and things like that. The wedding party, the bridesmaids, would gather along the route between the bride's house and the groom's house to light the way and kind of direct the, the party. Uh, so what, what goes on here is, is the, the bridegroom is delayed. He's delayed at the bride's house. The, the people who are lining the way get tired. They fall asleep. And then finally the bridegroom and the bride uh, start to walk the route back to the, the groom's house for the ceremony and the party there. Um, it you know, makes sense. They, they were asleep. They, some didn't have oil to light the way. It was midnight and there was a problem for the wedding party because some of the bridesmaids didn't do their job. Most of us have been to weddings. I've celebrated a fair share of weddings. Um, it's not uncommon for somebody in the wedding party not to show up for the rehearsal or to be late. Usually when I meet with a couple and they say, what time should we schedule the rehearsal? And I say, I don't care when you schedule it, just schedule it at a time when you know everybody will be present. We don't want to be waiting around for somebody. And usually we end up waiting around for somebody. Uh, I'll just use an example. The men might be lined up here and there might be two gaps. And, and so, you know, you go through the rehearsal and then when the women leave and partner up with the men, two women have to leave by themselves. But we're always assured that, yes, everybody will be here for the wedding. Years ago, I did a wedding um, where the bride and groom were two and a half hours late. The organist kept playing and playing and playing, and clearly she ran out of all her music. She got up from her bench, came back to me and said, I'm out of music. When is this going to start? I don't know. They're not here. Um, finally, the bride and groom showed up, and I, I just looked at the groom and went, and he went, Nigerian time. Okay, I, you know, I guess. We have that experience in our lives where we've had to wait for someone and we're not happy with waiting. Maybe we've been on a, a tour with a, you know, with a bus in, in Germany or something and, and it seems like every morning when we're supposed to be ready to go at nine, you know, this person is never there at nine. 
even though the itinerary is clear, the leader is clear, we've all reminded the person it's 9.15, it's 9.30, they're not here, we're waiting, you know, our time is being wasted and we think, you know, is this person's time more valuable than mine? Uh, it, it, it's just frustrating and we think, let's just leave without them. That will teach them a lesson. Let's just go without them. They'll get burned and they'll never be late again. That's in essence shutting the door on a person. You know, we wait and we wait and we wait maybe for somebody to do a job. And you just get tired and you say, you're out. Somebody else is going to do it. I can't wait any longer. Um, just one other example that I have to get out of my system, you know. <laughs> say, say your spouse is always late, you know, and you think... We knew. We knew when this was starting. We knew when this was starting. I'm going to, I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of saying, you know, you knew when this was. I'm leaving. You can go separately, if at all. In essence, that's shutting the door. Yeah. The problem, one problem people have with this text is shutting the door basically saying the train has left the station, the, the, the plane has left the terminal, you're too late, you don't have forever to make up your mind. You've got to make up your mind and you've got to be on time. You know? We might have problems in the parable with the door being shut, but we shut the door ourselves out of our frustration and are not wanting to wait any longer and are wanting to move on. So if we're going to criticize Jesus in the parable, we need to be aware that we too have shut doors because we can't wait any longer for the person to come around. Second problem we have with this parable is when the wise bridesmaids say to the foolish ones, we can't give you any oil. Now, this seems so contradictory to so much of what Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew. Give to those who ask from you. If somebody asks for your coat, give them your cloak as well. You know, we are supposed to give. And here, the wise bridesmaids are being held up as an example for because, and they don't give. What's up? There are some things you can give me, and there are other things you can't give me. You can give me money. You can um, give me food. You can give me those things. But say I am in very poor health, and you're healthy. Can you give me your health? You can give me medicine. You might pay doctor bills. But can you give me your health? You can't. It's yours. You, you just can't give it. You can pray for me, but you can't do my praying for me. 
you can forgive me, but you can't do my forgiving for me. Only I can do that. Jesus talks about um, we are light. Chris can be light to me, but only I can light my lamp. I have at some point to take responsibility and accountability for my life. I tutor three sweet little girls uh, at Hubbard School on Tuesday afternoon. And one of the girls, they're second graders, and one of the girls has really fallen behind already in her reading. And how she tries to um, deceive me that she can read when she can't is she says to me, here's what we're going to do. You're going to read, and then I'll tell you when I'm going to read. So we'll read a story, and I'll follow along with my finger. And when we get to and or the, she'll say, stop, I'm going to read now. And she'll read, and. Your turn now. And that's how we read. I can read. And I can read to her. But there's going to come a time in the third grade proficiency test where she's going to have to read for herself. She's going to have to be accountable. Some of you have been frustrated uh, by me You've contacted me and said, I need the contact information. I need a phone number or email address for so-and-so. And I'll respond by saying, are you on Realm? Yes. You can look it up yourself. <laughs> there comes a time where we have to take accountability for our life. At... Um, Georgia Bloom's memorial service last Sunday afternoon. We had a wonderful celebration of her life. And at the end of the service, as we almost always do in a, in a memorial service, we gave people the opportunity to witness to um, the person's life. And Georgia's sister gave a witness and a couple other friends and family gave witnesses. Georgia died at a relatively young age of 51. Two of the witnesses said, you know, you just never know when death will come. So you need to live now. If you're going to say to someone, I love you, don't wait till tomorrow. That might be too late. Say it now. If you need to forgive somebody,
don't wait till tomorrow. It could be too late. Do it now. And I thought, they're not giving us hellfire and brimstone. They're not trying to scare us into heaven or scare us into loving God. They were just stating a fact that they have learned about life. That tomorrow is not assured. That sometimes the door is shut. That sometimes the train does leave the station. And we have to do it now. If I'm going to say, I love you to Susan, I need to say it now. I might not have tomorrow. And Chris saying that isn't good. Well, it is nice if you say I love Susan, but it doesn't count because I have to say it. I have to say it. That's the second part that's so hard. We have to take a responsibility and we have to realize that tomorrow is not assured. So we have to do it now. So the bridesmaids needed to fill the lamps of their lives with the oil of the Spirit. They needed to fill the lamps of their lives with love and forgiveness and joy and compassion and mercy. Third problem people have with this parable is the door is shut and Jesus says to them, I don't know you. You know, how we know someone is that we recognize something of ourselves in them. We might see our race in them. We might see our orientation in them. We might see our gender. We might see education. We might see our, our economic status in them. We might see our age in them. There's something that we see in the other person that enables us to recognize them. And we see something of ourself in the other person. And so often, you know, if we don't see ourself in the other person, we really do see them as totally other. I don't know you. Is it possible that what Jesus is looking for is himself in us? Is it possible that Jesus is looking for his love in us, for his mercy in us, his forgiveness in us, so that when he looks at us, he says, oh, I recognize myself in that person. I know them. Is that possible that Jesus says, I don't know you, 
because we haven't filled our lives with the things of Jesus. Again, I'm not, I don't see that as a threat. I see that as just operating the way we operate. Now, it's important to know that Jesus says the door is shut. It's not locked. It's shut. You can reopen a shut door. It's very hard to open a locked door. And Jesus says the door is shut, which means there's always hope that it's going to be reopened, that there's always hope of redemption and mercy. Jesus doesn't lock the door. It's shut, but Jesus opens it to see himself in us. This parable is about how we wait. How we wait for Jesus. The church in the early days was wrestling with Jesus was supposed to come back in our lifetime. He hasn't come back. What do we do? How do we wait? Well, this parable is about how do we wait? We wait by filling our lives and filling our lamps with the things of Jesus. Jesus said we are to be light. We are to light our lamp. And we have to light our lamp. I have to light my lamp. You have to light your lamp. I have to fill my life with the things of Jesus. You need to fill your life with the things of Jesus. How do we wait? Actually, this parable can be um, reduced to just the first verse and the last verse, and you can ignore everything in between. I told Barb that after all of her hours of learning the story. I said, Barb, you don't really even need to do it. Just the last verse and the first verse. That's all you need to do. Thanks, John, for telling me that now. The kingdom of heaven is like, last verse, stay awake, for you don't know the hour or the time. The kingdom of heaven is like, stay awake, live in the moment, live now. Don't wait till tomorrow, live now to show works of love, to forgive, to use words of love and mercy. Do it now. Live in the moment. This parable really isn't about the future. It's about today. Live now in the moment and let our light shine to all so that those who are looking for Jesus to come in their lives will experience and see Jesus through our lives and recognize him. May it be so. Amen.